This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via other participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and time supply, see mcdonalds.com. Well, bad afternoon everybody. Uh, final score at Ashton Gate. It finished uh, City 2, Luton 3. Uh, I was on a wave of optimism at about uh, quarter to two because we went in at halftime 2-0 up. Joining me uh, this afternoon are Ian and Mark and a grand total of uh, almost 50 people taking time off of their lovely sunny afternoon to listen to us having a moan uh, as we do and as indeed it's going to be for another hour or until such time as we've all had enough of uh, talking about it. Uh, Ian and Mark, as we normally do, uh, you first Ian, 30 seconds on the game as a whole without going into detail of any incidents but just your, your thoughts on this afternoon. Classic game of two halves. First half, much better. Uh, as somebody said on Twitter, throwback to uh, Alf Ramsey in the World Cup with having wide players who aren't actually wingers. Second half, uh, Luton brought on their first choice strikers. And as, ex- as I expected and hope wouldn't happen, we fell apart. And yeah. uh, unfortunately, that that is really all, all you can... Um, all you can say about the game. Yeah. Mark, your uh, two pennyworth on the overall on the game without going into the individual incidents. Uh, call in AC12. City's defensive line of duty was compromised three times in 15 chaotic minutes in the second half, but City were warned at the end of the first half. Comfortable at 2 0 up. Luton always looked like uh, they had uh, some chances, and City duly obliged with Callas making some real howlers. And Bentley so often exposed. Yeah, no, that's it. That's it. As Liam said on here, thank God there were no fans in the ground. We look at the lineup uh, today. Uh, there was sort of no real surprise in there. Fam injured. I like somebody put a gif up on the Twitter with a sniggering face on there. Fam injured. I I really hope we don't see him in a city shirt again. But it did mean a start for uh, Tommy Conway. Uh, Ian, any? Surprise with the uh, with the lineup. I mean, it was that midfield quartet that individually looked good on paper, but collectively, uh, like four strangers, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I, I was disappointed with the lineup before the game. I said, I, I hope I'm wrong, but I, I think it looks like another defeat. Yeah, and, and it, it was it was a defeat. 
Um, in fairness, Conway, I thought, looked lively up front. Naki Wells benefited from having a partner. I think you could say that. Uh, and I like the look of, um, is it Alex Scott? Yeah. Um, when he came on, uh, touch of the dra- Jack Grealish is about him, a little bit of a swagger. Yeah. Um, seems to get stuck in, get his head up and want to pass the ball. Um, so yeah. th- those were the things that impressed me today. But the, the first half... I well, let's get into the individual this, incidents. This is a, this is a bit yep. better, but the second half, Bristol City... It was City as bad as it's up, ever been. It? It's, it's as bad as it's ever been. I mean, Mark, one thing I noticed... Well, tell me what was different about the first half compared to <laughs> most of City's games whenever you watch them. What, what was unusual about the second... Well, when they lined up to kick off? Because I tell you, I noticed it. I'm sure other people did as well. One, they... Uh, Thomas Callas was the only player that uh, stood up during, during the, the taking of the knee. I did notice that. The other thing I noticed as well, that we were kicking towards the south stand, and we normally yeah. do that in the second half. So there we go. So let's get let's get into the action. I mean, we started brightly, and Nag and uh, Cess, and the, both of them had okay games. Maybe we'll talk about them as individuals later. But, uh, I mean, the visitors, Mark, they had the ball in the back of the net after... Um, uh, from a corner, wasn't it? Callas deflected out of Bayo's shot, and it was same old Bristol City, wasn't it? You know, it was lucky yeah. Jewsbury um, Hall, all of his corners were great. He was playing in swingers at right on the money. I think the only team I've seen play corners right under the barrel like that was Barnsley when we played yeah. them. So the keeper is always going to be under pressure, but it was a free kick. I think um, I'm sure if it was Clark backed into. Backed into Bentley, and it, and, it, and it was it was a foul, but it did yeah. worry you. When every time we gave we gave uh, we gave crosses away because we gave corners away because they we give so many gifts you, goals away from, just, from set pieces. You just think they're going to score. I mean, Ian, the first goal came. I mean, City were were looking okay. They were passing it. There was lots of positives. And the first ball uh, came when uh, I think it was Viner sent the ball to Nash, turned past two players, and and released the ball. Confident finish by Wells. I mean, that goal. Uh, sort of epitomise what Naki Well is there to do, playing in a central role. But it was good build-up play overall, wasn't it, the opening goal? Yeah, and it shows that, <clears throat> I think particularly if he had a... If you took Kiefer Moore out of the Cardiff team and put him up front for us and played uh, Naki next to him, you'd have a 20-goal-a-season 20 striker. Mm. Uh, but he lacks that support. And although Conway made some good runs in behind... Um, a la um, Sam Bell when he played I, th- I think well we, we obviously lack physicality right the way through the team and, and some of the players I've heard were linked with would assume that Pearson knows that uh, so I, I think excellent excellent finish uh, I don't think the keeper got off his line quick enough if I'm being honest to yeah. uh, stop closing stop down yeah. he didn't, yeah. didn't narrow the angle very well but yeah, well, well, got a chance, stuck it in the onion bag. Yeah, and he'd had a chance just before that when he uh, took the goalkeeper, took one in the face, didn't he? Yeah, so uh, correct. That was uh, yeah. that was it. Second goal, uh, Mark. It, you know, it gave City the two goal lead, and again, it was well crafted. Uh, Lansbury, Callis's header, Wells did a save, and there was Naj nicking in uh, to score. Um, you know, we were looking good value for that two 0 win at that time, weren't we? Yeah, and there were lots of forward passes, and, and the reason that Wells 
what you know Wells put the ball away he needs he needs the ball and he, he needs good service through the center of the pitch and and he will score you goals he might have been a bit off recently but giving the ball in front of goal there and he'll, and he'll stick it away and this time uh Slugo who um the commentator kept calling us kept calling slugger I thought sounded like an amateur boxer didn't it yeah, or um, somebody from the eighteen club of Lang that was, wasn't it? Yeah, but yeah, but he pushed he pushed <laughs> the ball away, and, and it was a good goal by Nadge because it was at an acute angle, and he still managed to get it in the far side of the net. And City looked comfortable, but even then, at the end of that first half, Luton was still chipping away, and they had chances, as you'll probably allude to in a minute. Well, I mean, at the end, uh, just before uh, both of our goals, Clark shot just wide, and then literally on the stroke of half time, uh, it was a smart save from uh, Bents after a Clark uh, a Clark header. So they were there or thereabouts. But I, I thought two nil. Well, we're gonna we're gonna roll out comfortably on this three nil, three one, something like that. Ian, right at the start of the second half, uh, Naj and Conway again, good through ball to uh, Conway from Naj, and he did a lovely little pullback for. Uh, Masengo and even the, the sniffing Taylor Moore admitted shooting isn't his strong point. I'm wondering what is his strong point because if you go 3 0 up six minutes into the second half, mind, we're Bristol City, but that was a bad miss, really, wasn't it? Because it wasn't like he had to rush it. Would you agree with that, Ian? Hello, Ian. <laughs> Do you want me to pick up? Sorry, from mate. I'm, yeah, go on. Oh, go sorry, on. Mate. No, sorry go on. mate. It's go all on. right, Mark. I'm back in. I was on mute. Um, yeah. yeah. I'd, a miss by, miss by keep... Masengo. A miss by Masengo, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I keep saying about Han is he's never going to get you a goal and he's never going to get you an assist. So what is he? Yeah. Um, and you, for me, you can't have players in midfield uh, unless you've got what I call a purely defensive uh, midfielder like a McAnally, like a Cisse, um that never scores. Um, you, you you can only have one at best, or possibly you can have two of them if if you go for a, a four-two-three-one, which we yeah. haven't got the players to play. Uh, but we have to make our mind up about Han and what he is, uh, because I see someone with with a great work ethic. Um, some ability, this is not fantastic ability, let's be honest, but some ability, that seems to have decreased. His physicality has improved, but his ability has decreased since since he joined our club. Yeah. Um, that would have to be a worry. And and, and you could say the same. Uh, all the midfielders have, have got something that you look at and you think, that's not quite right. Backinson, big lad. Not very good at defending in the air. Not very good at the air full stop. Um, and he seems to run out of steam after about 60 minutes. So there's stamina questions. You don't get that with Masengo. He, he, he'd play for 120 minutes, never mind 90. And then you go into midfield, Naj. Nice touches at times. Goal and assist today. Yeah. Um, but, but, is he, but is he strong enough? And the answer well, to that is and, no. And, that, and, and, and the other and question... And, Lansbury and, is, is getting a lot of stick, but it's funny that when Lansbury goes off, we keep conceding goals. Well, the other thing as well, I thought second half... I mean, Backinson's played well in the games recently, but the second half, he was the invisible man. But let's go into the goal glut. Just before the goal, in fact, just after that Masengo... Uh, just before that Masengo miss, we had a shape of things to come when uh, Connick took a throw. Cess 
miskicked it, and we you sort of just praised Lansbury a little bit there, but he turned his back on the ball, and you don't want to see pros doing that. I think Tommy Rowe, who we say is a good club man and all the rest of it, he ducked when I think it might have been a corner came in late on. But, you know, you don't want pros to be turning their backs on the ball, do you? I know one of their blokes took one full in the face from Lansbury, but uh, what do you think about uh, Ian as a pro? You shouldn't, you should just face up, shouldn't you? And he didn't. And that was defensive mayhem at that uh, time, just before their uh, opening goal. Yeah, it's a good. It, I mean, to be honest, the guy that took one in the face had no choice. He was just running in to do a yeah. block tackle. Lansbury got there before and larruped it. Um, and sometimes you have to do that. You can't always, you know, that there's a, a tendency in football these days um, to think that if you're not playing four passes in your own six yard box, you're you're not a football team. And I think yeah. sometimes if you look at what we did right in the first half, we passed the ball forward, we passed it to feet and we passed it in the channel. Yeah. Second half, we larruped it. Someone yeah. made the cry on the sideline. I don't know where they blew a bugle or something like that and went, boot it. What, not yeah. going to play football? No, 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 boot it. And it becomes like hot potato. We play long. Naki Wells is five foot six. He's not going to dominate in the air. Right? Yeah. So... Let's do what we did in the first half, the bit that worked, and not do what we what we did in the second. And it's yeah. it's blind it's blind panic. I've seen Zach Viner passable. Zach Viner can passable. Zach Viner can bring the run out of defence with the ball. It's a lack of confidence, and probably which breeds lack of consistency us. as well. Which is lack of consistency. Well, it, it, you when, will how- lack. Confidence mm. when you lose, you've lost eight out of the last nine home games, and the Luton manager had the cheat. Nathan Jones had the cheat to say after the game, Ashton Gate is a difficult place to come. It must be somewhere <laughs> where where people are cancelling holidays to go to. Yeah, they must think yeah. this is great. No, it's not so, good. Let's go through. Let's go. Let's go through the. Uh, let's go through the goals. Uh, I mean, the first one, Mark, classic Bristol City dead ball situation again. Corner. Collins, who should be picking him up because he runs in and the camera behind the goal, you can clearly see him. Yeah, he's not got anybody with him, and it's a lovely little glancing header. Should Bents have been more dominant in the box? There was about four four players on the line. So, yeah, he leaves his man, runs away from the near post, just turns and heads it. I mean, it's more of a flick across. I don't know if he's just trying it. I think he's probably, if he's got his back to goal, he's trying to flick it across the box to another player. He, he, he didn't think it's well, going it to go in. through it all those feet. But it goes through everybody. And the, the, the thing was, on Robin's TV, I could hear, I could actually hear Taylor Moore going, oh, no, before it hit the back of the net. So the commentary and the uh, the pictures were out of sync, uh, unfortunately. But it was just so yeah, sitting. Yeah, they always are. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. They always are. You listen to when Gigi scored that great goal against Wickham. Uh, five seconds before you were ten, you go boom, boom. Yeah, no, it's not good. It's not good. That would be like if we did these broadcasts, these live on Zoom. You know, there's a there's a delay in whatever comms platform you use. Uh, Mark, the second goal uh, again, a cross by Bree. I was came behind the goal. You could see Bree. There was no player within ten yards of him, and then there was a bit of a loose leg from uh, Thomas Callas. And it was just flicked in with the outside of his foot, wasn't it, by Adebayo? Yeah. Was, Callas is about a yard. Callas is about, a, I've watched the replay about three times. He's about a yard away from him. I yeah. mean, touch tight defending. They were talking about it. They were just completely absent. The AOL in the second half, touch tight defending. It was abysmal. 
And the third goal was the same, which we'll, we'll come on to. But he's yeah. got to get to the guy. He just flicked it. It was a good. It was a good finish. Bentley had no chance because he, he dived. It was right in the corner of the goal. But oh dear! I mean, Bree, Bree, uh, Dewsbury Hall again just picks it up. It was Dewsbury Hall, the guy on loan from Leicester, decent player, the one who had this long range shot that went through uh, Bentley uh, up at Kenilworth Road, and they're laughing. And you can only see one result after that. City, you know, yeah. under the cosh, and you think, what the hell have we got to do to, to get a point? Ian, we, they, when on? they got the equaliser, the you know, which was sort of you know, I want to say game over, but you know, you think it, oh my god, and then the manager or the temporary manager, he did four subs in one go, and do you think that was too many, too little, too late, or done out of frustration? Because off went Wells, Lansbury, Rowe, and Nash. On came Semenyo, Alex Scott. Jack Hunt and uh, Mr. Glasslegs, Nathan Baker. So the substitutes in, and then within five minutes, you know, it was the third goal in 15. So your co- comments on the subs and that uh, what proved to be the winning goal after that. I think the four subs were born out of frustration, but I don't think they were that well, apart from Scott coming on, I don't think uh, they were that well thought out. I mean, if Baker was anything like fit, we should have started... Um, with three at the back, with him on the left, and got the best out of Callas because there's no doubt since Callas has moved to left centre back, he's been far. It's, it's, it's been the worst I've seen him play. I got to be honest. Um, the 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 fact he did four, I think that's pure frustration at letting in the first, uh, uh, letting in those goals. Yeah, and the the third goal. I mean, Callas is is marking somebody, and the ball just bounces off his left foot to the other guy who's completely unmarked. And he yeah. puts it in the corner. So, yeah. all all in all, uh, ev- the goals they scored. Look, if a if a Luton player picked the ball up and whizzed it in the top corner from thirty five yards, I'd be the first one to say you can't yeah. defend against that. But all of those goals were one hundred percent, one hundred percent avoidable. And if you're yeah. if you're Pearson, you're pulling your air out because I I mean I, as I said, any whoever is coaching our defending from set pieces must be sacked. And I mean, well, who is, now, that? Who is doing is it that? Downing or I say it's Downing, not Simpson. Downing is no. a defender, aren't they? Well, no idea, but um, they've got to go because they yeah. obviously can't do their job. Although yeah. they would say, well, it's a bit difficult because we haven't got anybody that can edit. So <laughs> next week, ne- ne- next week, uh, go three at the back at Millwall. Well, bring why couldn't they play? Upper. What, what, but why couldn't they bring, play in? Hang on, hold on. Bring, hold on, hold on. Back, bring back Maria Apa, play Callas in the middle, and put bring put Baker left centre back. Play wing okay. backs. If De Silva's anything like fit, get him in. Uh, play Hunt, Sessignon, don't matter. Yeah. And then play three midfielders, including that young lad, Scott. Um, yeah. and, and that way, I mean, basically, we played 4 4 2 today. It was advertised as a diamond, it was nothing like it. Um, and Nash played on the right and Masengo played on the left a little bit like you know the old Alf Ramsey thing we had Martin Peters and Alan Ball uh, not really wingers but playing in those wide areas in some sometimes in a 4-3-3 yeah. but the only yeah. way that, that, that you're, you're going to improve it is change the shape and then if we can cross the ball um, you know I mean when you're chasing a game and trying to score a goal I wouldn't have thought it was a great idea to take Naki Wells off, but I would have got somebody on the field who could pass to him. 
Yeah, well, that's where, the, that's where, as you say, the substitutions are a bit strange. And just finally on that third goal, again, the amount of space that Dewsbury Hall had, it was a similar, I think it was a similar position to where um, uh, Bree had crossed, but just sloppy, no physicality and acres of space for them. We talked about Alex Scott coming on. Uh, he was lining up with a degree of confidence. He didn't look like it was his first appearance uh, on the Ashton Gate turf or maybe his second substitute appearance. But uh, that one got um, uh, blocked. And then just after that, it was Conway offside. Mark, did that look offside to you? Or it didn't go. It didn't go over the line. It didn't go over well, the line th- either, did it? Well, it- I don't. I'm not sure. I think it may. If it went over the line, it went over the line before the gut before the defender put his foot on it, and it, and it broke the plane. It broke the plane on the line, uh, rather than went over on on the ground. But is he? He was. He was. He was the only. He was behind their defence in the first phase of play, and he moves yeah. back, and there's another touch. Yeah. So isn't he on side because it's a different phase of play? I don't understand it. Well, it's difficult that had gone. I mean, what was your view on that incident, uh, Ian? I uh, it didn't. The ball didn't go over the line anyway. It looked, you know, you couldn't see. You could see the white line, and then the bloke's foot was on the white line as I saw it. But what were your thoughts on that? Oh, he's put himself on mute again. <laughs> I think I think the ball I think the ball broke the plane of the line. All the ball was behind the line before he trapped it, and you saw it. Be, be, you saw it looked on the line, or the ball wasn't all all over the line. But what yeah. I don't understand is the refer- the, the decision because Conway is is behind. He's the only he's the only player between the goal and and, and, and the keeper. So it's just yeah. Conway and the keeper. So he is he off is he off is he offside from that point, or as yeah. he as he goes back in an onside position in the next phase of play and the ball's touched by another player, is he allowed to touch the ball and put it in the net? That's the question. I don't understand. Yeah, no, it's a strange one. But look, that was it. Game over. I mean, one of the a couple of things sort of from the actual match action. Um, I mean, interestingly, Joe Morrell, who was went to be one of our bright starlets, he was a non-playing sub for uh, the Hatters. Um, he must be disappointed that he went to Luton, uh, Mark, because he would have got a lot more minutes at uh, Ashton Gate had he stayed here, wouldn't he? Yeah, I mean that's just that's just one of those things. I, I suppose. I mean, they, they, I think they said to Joe at the start of the season. You're not going to play, you know. If you want regular first team football, you, you know we got an offer from Luton, and you can and you can leave. Uh, and as things are, he hasn't been a regular starter for them. But that's just that's just football. It's one of those things. I mean, neither either the club could have foreseen the flipping uh, event arising of of, uh, of of injuries we've had since no. then. It's just one of those just one of those things. But I mean, if you look at the kids, the the, the, the young lads that are playing. They're they're probably not the best the best uh, under twenty threes we got the, the best under twenty threes are your Robbie Cundies and your James Mortons who yeah. played at the football league and were probably and George Nurse and Campring who would probably be able to show a, a level of ability where they can compete. You, we're asking a lot of players who haven't played at league at, at, at league football to to actually make the jump. Even Tommy Conway, who did fairly well. I thought he was one. I thought but for he's me, only played for Bath City. It's very yeah. difficult. I thought for me, he he showed for me, 
and just me, he showed up better than I thought uh, Pearson and Bell had done. And one thing that I liked about him was he wanted to get on with the game. We won a corner, and I think we might have been behind by then. The ball went out for a corner over at the position between the um, Dolman and the uh, Atio stand. And he's obviously not the dead ball kicker. And he was waving his arms, and even the commentator picked up saying, come on, get on with it, sort of thing. Yeah, and, yeah you so know. Where, we want, where we want some leadership. And I think the problem with City, there's, there, there aren't any leaders on the pitch. There's nobody taking responsibility. There's no Aaron Wilbrahams or Wade Elliotts who are going to pull no. you out of a hole. I mean, Thomas Callas, you can't see he's a, a, leader, a leader of men. He's just, he's not... But he's the one, didn't suffering. he get, didn't about three or four month, months ago, didn't he get all sensitive that he felt he was putting in all the effort and, you know, he was being let down by people around him? And maybe he did feel that or say that, but you're right, he's not somebody that bollocks his teammates if they get something wrong, you know. No, very, even, ba- very I think even ba- Bailey Wright would do that and, and, uh, and Corey would do that, but I think the players were, were mentally strong enough and, and had the ability to be able to pull them out of holes, but we just haven't got the experience of the likes of Aaron Wilbraham or yeah. Wade Elliott. Um, you know, they brought in the likes of, of Chris Brunt, Henry Lansbury, who's really an attacking midfield player who's been asked to do a job at the base in midfield. A bit yeah. like Chris Brunt was never a defensive midfield player in his old his old career. No, He's always no, played right. out on the left hand side. No. It, it's just the, the whole season's been a mess. And based on results now, you've got to say, isn't Nigel Pearson's position a bit untenable? Well, we're coming to Greg, that, we're coming to that said, in a minute. I, I, yeah. I just want to ask about one other player because this is one that no fan. So you think, well, let's have a physicality up front. Why is Louis Britton? not getting a sniff on here because he's a different physique to most of the youngsters. And then is there a rumour that he's, he's had his head turned and he's going to be off anyway? Is that what Dave Fevs has, has alluded to and that's why he's not being let in? What do you think? Well, I mean, I, I can only say from 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 what I've seen is that he uh, that um, uh, Nigel Pearson feels that Tommy Conway is is uh, it's you know ahead of him in term, in terms of ability, and he hasn't uh, uh, you know he's he, he's put, you know had a couple of substitute substitute uh, appearances, and he you know he played he played decently today. But that's all you can say, really. I, I just, I just don't know. Not having seen Louis Britton, Dave would have a much better idea about that. But we could do with some physicality up front, and we also miss Fam's physicality at the back. But like somebody jokingly said, you know, the, the, the word was going round on Otib before the game about what's the real reason why you know why he's missing, and somebody said he must have constipation because he can't, he hasn't given a shit for months. <laughs> Nice one, nice one. Uh, incidentally, loudly to your sister, Mark, she said she saw Callas looking well up for it and heard him jing up the other players. So, you know, we, we sometimes we form views based on our views about the individuals without necessarily knowing the facts. Look, it's an eighth defeat in nine at home. Eighth in nine. I don't recall. I think we've had maybe nine home matches without a win in the 50 years I've been watching it, you know, which might have been four draws and five defeats or something like that. But eight defeats in nine home games. I've never seen, you know, such bad home form as that in the whole time I've been supporting. What about you, Mark? No, I mean, I can only, the only season I think where we played that badly and I think we scored, I think we only scored about maybe about 29 goals all season was in the 88. I mean, I said this in the last podcast, 80, 81 season in the second division. Yeah. As we were going down the leagues, but I can't recall us 
losing that many. I mean, it's only our away form, our eight, eight away wins that have sustained us really, and those first four wins at the start yeah. of the season. But yeah, I, I just can't understand. If you look at the, the team that played against Birmingham when we won three nil, you know, pressing a team um, that started the game quite well, creating chances, looking up for it. Fan, fan playing well with his back to goal, holding on to the ball, playing players in. I mean, Callum O'Dowd had got a goal then, and you've got to feel sorry for the guy the next game. Well, we have still got the injuries. Injured. We have still got the injuries. Um, Ian, I think you're back in the room. Lillian Mears away from on. that now. Yeah, Ian, you're back in the room, but still on mute, I think. Um, here we go. Oh, no, Steve. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm you're off, back. off mute. All right, Steve, yeah. I'm going to invite somebody in who's not been on before because he's pressed the invite button and uh, no swearing or anything like that. Otherwise, we'll take you out straight away. But uh, Steve Byrne, I'm going to let you in the studio. Um, Steve, welcome as a as a guest. Can you hear us okay? Hello, Steve. Hello, Steve. Or maybe not. Is that Steve from Patchway? I don't know which Steve it is. But uh, Ian, when we were just talking about the... Uh, well, just going to go on to talk about Pearson, but one player that I forgot to mention, and uh, Tomo said that... Uh, uh, I think it was Torquay was saying this, Saluka Jenner's a good player. Uh, the Gambian, I don't know how we picked up Saluka Jenner, but I've just read on the, uh, the internet before we went live that Norwich, Watford and Brighton are all keeping tabs on him. Do you expect to see people like Jenner and Conway maybe start a game just so we find out a little bit more about them? Because we know what we're going to get out of Naki Wells, so why bother playing him for the last two games? Yeah, what's your what's your thoughts on uh, Jenna and playing even more youngsters for the final two games of the season, now that we are it's, safe? It's, it's Saiku Jenna. Um, we need to make a decision because we've got an awful lot of young strikers. Yeah. Um, so they can't all play. And if we do what I want us to do, which is go out and get a, a, a Kiefer Moore or a Lucas Djukovic or somebody like that, then there's only one place available. And then you've got Naki Wells. Don't forget, you've got Andy Byman and Chris Andy Byman, yeah. So yeah. That's, that's four. So you've got to make up your mind. What you do, they've all got to sign new contracts before they go out. Now, Jan has yeah. been out on loan because he got injured playing for Newport. Um, yeah. And somebody's just said, you know, Kiefer Moore has got 19 goals this season. This is a bloke I want to sign in a close season. Everybody was telling me he was a donkey. Um, so you've got uh, Sam Bell. You've got Lewis Britton. Now, all these guys would have to send, I mean, some of them have signed uh, extended contracts. They sign extended contracts. They, they go out uh, on loan, in my opinion. You might want to hold one back as as your fifth guy. Um, but, you know, with those four strikers, that's not a bad, it's not brilliant, but it's not a bad strike for us. No. Uh, and you've got height. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think if we get, um, I, I think on what I saw today, uh, definitely I'd want to see um, the young midfielder that came on second half whose name Alex is Tempe Skip. Alex Scott. Scott. I'd like to see him start start the next two games in a three-man midfield, uh, but narrow, yeah. not wide. You know, Let's not get somebody yeah. else who likes playing down the middle and pretend they're a winger. So, yeah. well, you know, we might as well, I think we might as well. one of my problems with Pearson is I, I think he could pick a better team than he's picking from what he's got available. That's that's my yeah. gripe with Pearson. Well, that's a good point. That. Now, while you're away, and we were just talking about coming on to 
Pierce and Mark started uh, raising it. And also somebody else pointed out that it is Downing, who's the uh, defensive coach, and uh, Simpson is uh, mm-hmm. offensive. And we said eight Very defeat, offensive. Eight, eight <laughs> defeat in nine at home, uh, Ian. Mark mm-hmm. and I couldn't remember. We've seen nine games at home without a win, which could be three draws, six defeats, or six draws, three, something like that. Not seen eighth, def- eighth in nine at home. But more importantly, we're winless in eight two draws and six defeats. And questions Mm -hmm. are being asked now of Nigel Pearson. Is he the man? And the view on here is that, you know, some people are saying he's at a tosh to even think about it. You put on Twitter earlier this afternoon. You don't think he is. So tell us why you don't think he is, Ian. Well, I don't think he is, but I don't think we've got any alternative now. Uh, And I'll explain why. Um, we haven't got any alternative because we need such a radical turnaround. It's unbelievable. It's not – if Steve Lansdowne thinks it's a bit of fiddling around the periphery and uh, tinkering around the edges, it's not. Right? We've got no identity. We're not an attacking team. We're not a defensive team. We don't defend well from set pieces or open play. We're not a passing team. We don't retain the ball well, particularly when – we need to and we come under pressure. So it needs a radical change. Um, Now, I think he'll get the job and I think Steve Lansdowne is probably probably trying to get him to sign a one-year rolling contract and Pearson's saying, I want three years. And that that could be the delay. Um, But he's got first-hand knowledge of our players and anybody else that comes in, the first thing they're going to say is, well, who have we got and what are they like? And we haven't got the time because we also need to replace the recruitment team and the medical team. And that's Um, why the only man, the only man currently on the staff at Ashton Gate in any capacity who knows football of, of enough depth in all areas, except maybe football administration and filling out forms and all the rest of it. But, you know, Pearson's bought and sold as a manager in the transfer market. He is the man with more knowledge than the rest of them put together, isn't he? Would you agree with that, Mark? You know, or, or Mark, do you think do you think Pearson's the man? Or as Ian said, yes, he is. But because we've got no choice, because there's such a massive job required between the 9th of May when the season finishes and I'll say the middle of July, which is when they usually go away for a pre-season break. It's masses to do. But he's yeah, the man. Yeah, he's the, he's the man for me. I mean, McGregor said yesterday in, in the Evening Post, Bristol Live understands that a three-year deal could be agreed soon if results improve, which is leading to what Ian says. If I was Steve Lansdowne, you say, look, based on results, uh, Nigel, I can't give you a three-year deal, but I'll give you a one-year deal, but there's got to be some compromise. Pearson's given, he's blooded all those youngsters. So, you know, they're going to, he, he, he would have um, uh, risen, risen highly in their minds, knowing that they may have a chance of first-team football under him. Uh, if if City a point, which is great for the likes of Jan and Scott, who look lively today, mobile midfield player, could do with that. But... It's an absolute bloody mess. I mean, Steve Lansdowne must have known from some of the chatter or somebody said to him, look, Mark, Mark Ashton's been talking to these people. You must be must be aware. If Ashton leaves, Werhan leaves as director of operations. Yeah. So if he if he suddenly says now, all right, I will, I'll get, you know, I'm not, I'm not appointing you, Nigel, based on these results, you're not good enough. 
that leaves us right in the SHIT, like a club who's preparing for relegation next season for, for yeah. me because it's an absolute disaster. They'll have to go for another stupid uh, recruitment process unless Lansdowne or God knows who is pointing us towards somebody, maybe an Alex Neal, because I can't see it getting a Chris Wilder. It's just a total and utter mess. No, but there's going to be people, and there's going to be people, uh, Ian, if it's not... If it's not uh, if it's not Nigel Pearson, there's going to be people. I don't know who these people are, but they're going to be whispering in Steve's ear what he should do, what he shouldn't do, and all the rest of it like that. And you know, we all know, right? That you know, he's easily persuaded by some people. Like this week, or in the interview he did three weeks ago, he said Lee Johnson persuaded me to give him uh, persuaded me to give him the job. You know, and then I somebody brought to my attention an article when Johnson was appointed. We were lucky to get Lee because there were a load of first division clubs, of Premier League clubs, wanting him as their uh, on their coaching staff. Was it? <laughs> I said, sorry, I said ball boy. <laughs> ball boy, yeah. <laughs> well, on their yeah, don't be. No, we don't have any heightist in uh, in this. <laughs> Ian, sorry, get, lost my train of thought now. But Ian, you know, is it, it, who who's going to be? There's going to be Pearson's probably got as many detractors as supporters at the moment, I would say, and it's growing, and that will grow even more if they don't do something this week and then say they lose at Millwall or something like that. But if if it's not Pearson, then who has got enough knowledge and gravitas to come in and put everything right? And all these people that are hanging back buying their season tickets, myself included, until we know what's happening, you know, if it is somebody like Alex Neal. We're all going to go there, yeah, aren't we? Yeah. Well, any manager, <laughs> any manager, or any any head coach yeah. that you take on is—I'm not saying it's a gamble; it's a calculated risk. If you look at a lot of people, said, "Well, quite fancy Paul Cook, but he hasn't exactly set the world on fire at Ipswich." No. And Chris Hutton uh, didn't Rome- really. Chris Hutton didn't really at Forest, did he? Although he had to no, cut up Rome- the Mucci's eleven or twelve Duff signings, didn't he? Hang on, you've got you. So you've got um, you know. You look at Rovers, three three managers in a season, none of them worked. Yeah. Um, so a lot of it, a lot of it does come down to the players. But then you ask the question: Well, okay, how did we get them? Now leave the yeah. younger lads aside because I think they've done nothing wrong. Yeah. Um, who who brought in what what are now being called lackluster journeymen players? Yeah. Um, who who signed a holding midfield player? And I don't think Lansbury's the worst player we've had at the club, and I don't think he's the worst player there now. I mean, at least he has a go. Um, yeah. But we we needed a left back. Yeah, and we so we almost got one, and we almost got one. But then we were going to pass off Masengo. Wasn't that the deal that this Johansson was going to come? And you know, yeah, we'll Masengo was going to go up there. Christian Pedersen. Yeah, Christian Pedersen, not not Johansson, Birmingham. Yeah, so whoever stopped that deal did the right thing because I've seen that Pedersen quite a bit, and he, I mean, Birmingham fans will tell you he's poor. Um, yeah. But we needed a left back. Now, when you look at next season, uh, if we sign a left back, then what happens to Campering and George Nurse? They go back out. On and Jada Silva. And Jada Silva. Well, Jada Silva, you would say, if you're going to play with wing back, certainly is going to be your first choice left back, right? Yeah. But can we keep him fit? The same you could say is, well, we'll build a midfield around Liam Walsh and Joe Williams, if assuming Liam Walsh signs a contract. Are they yeah. going to be fit? 
So there's all these questions. Then there's a huge amount that we don't know. And they're very slow at at answering questions. Like, for example, it was rumoured for months that Ashton was on his way out. Well, the minute sorry, Ian, let, me just, me, that's what I mean. let me just pick you up on there. It, sorry, no, not not criticised, but the, the moment Michael O'Leary became a director of Game Changer Twenty at Ipswich Town, which was the twentieth of July last year, right? That's when he became a director. He and Ashton uh, in Carhoots, they have been for twenty years, and you can't tell me that Mark Ashton's mind was a hundred percent on on Bristol City, regardless of what. Lansdowne might say, yeah, and he's been conspicuous by his absence. I think he's only popped up a couple of times this season. But, you know, I don't think his mind's been on it. Do, you know, so do, do you agree with that, Ian? That that Ashton not well, being I, fully focused? I, I, don't, I don't know, Dave. I don't know. I don't want to speculate where Mark Ashton's mind's been or not been because uh, I don't know the man and, and I don't know. Um, certainly... Um, Steve Lansdowne had to come out and go and get uh, Nigel Pearson. It seems that he was in the middle of that process, whereas before it was left to uh, John Lansdowne and Mark Ashton. They took five to six weeks to appoint somebody. And I think Steve was going to go same again until he saw the game against, I think it was Barnsley, that um, Simpson and Downing were in charge of. And all of a sudden he started to panic and think, hang on. We we could could get relegated. and we let's face it, we've we've only stayed up because of the efforts of others, or or well, we have. The I mean, failure, if you took the first the four, well, if you look, others, look at the, the winning start, the first four games. If you applied normal points, average points to that, that's neither relegation form. You say six points from the opening twelve, yeah, we we'd still be we'd be very very nervous. But because there's three really crap sides in the division, which is Wickham. Rotherham and well, Wickham, Sheffield Wednesday, and either Derby or Rotherham look like they're going to be going down. If you took six points off of our winning format starting sequence, we'd be sat there now on uh, 45 points, yeah, and we'd be thinking, you know, oh, we got a problem. But you're right, you know, we've only survived because of the uh, the inadequacies of uh, others. But isn't that the case for any side that finishes towards the bottom? Interestingly. Who missed relegation on the last day of last season? And that's Barnsley. I mean, how come, Ian, Barnsley, you know, no money, tidy little ground. They haven't got a hamstring predictability centre, as you called it on Twitter. I thought that was very funny. (laughs) They haven't got a hamstring hamstring probability centre. That's what you called it. What? And I think they've got a 35-year-old chief exec, so who's still in short trousers, I guess, and a German manager that nobody had ever heard of beforehand. So what is it? What is it that we seem to get wrong time and time again? Because if Barnsley do get to the Prem, that'll be the second time in 25 years. We haven't been back there in 40. Yeah, what do they well, do? What do they do? It's two words. Uh, it's management and leadership. So that, yeah. that's that's why, if you look at the leadership, it's been rudderless is a is a phrase that I've heard one of the more repeatable phrases I've heard. So you've got uh, a rudderless ship, um, and it's been badly managed. So what's been badly managed? Uh, the recruitment, because I don't, 
I think it's a good thing the stadium is a good thing the um, Amstring Probability Centre. Call it a training ground. It's training yeah. ground everywhere well, else. Yeah. I've said recently uh, that you know Man United have got a training ground at, at Carrington. Man City have got one in East Manchester, and uh, Chelsea have got a training ground. Bristol City have got the Hamstring Probability Centre, and it's just yeah. made. It's made for parody. It's yeah. laughable. People laugh at the, the corporate thing. I mean, you know, uh, uh, Luton's manager rubbed it in today when he said, oh, Ashton Gate's a difficult place to go. Well, I don't know how he meant that. I mean, we what, lost eight out of nine. So, no, look, it, it's, it's leadership and it's management. And unfortunately, we're sadly lacking in, in that. And, and it, it's, I said four, well, probably five months ago, I clear out from Mark Ashton down, and I mean it. They could, they've, there's nobody there. I'm not talking about Brian Tinian because, as I said, the the academy and the loan side is doing well. It's doing players, great. It's doing, doing well. Great. So, if anything, yeah. if Nigel Pearson's looking for a quality assistant manager, how about Brian Tinian? I agree. Yeah, and yeah. and then get. Steve Walsh in his head of recruitment or director of football or whatever you want to and call it. And they recruit a football administrator. This is what we were saying privately off air this week, that, that you could have, and again, taking that a step further, you could have uh, Nigel Pearson as football supremo supported by an up-and-coming young head coach like the MK Dons guy, for instance, with Russell Tinian, Martin. Russell Martin, with, as you've just said, Tinian, yeah, get Steve Walsh to come in and do the playing side. Yeah, and then all you need to go out and get because you're already playing. You're already paying Pearson's wages as a manager. You're getting a slightly lower grade head coach. Then all he said, all you need to get is a football administrator type, which is the role that Luke Werham was doing. And in salary terms, that's a job that would be between seventy-five and a hundred grand a year. And probably you don't know what Werham was getting, but that's what that job today would be worth yeah keep you've it got point, you've got you've got a point you've got a point Nigel Pearson this uh, before Saturday's game because based on what you've been seeing likely is we'll lose to Millwall and we'll certainly lose to Brentford so why go for Correct. more pain yeah, because we're not going to get we're not going to get an easy touch against Brentford in a fortnight's time because they'll be no. they'll be looking to have home advantage if there is such a thing in playing a second leg at home in fact they they could you know I think there's four clubs there that they could even finish as low as sixth the way things are. So Brentford are going to be up for it, yeah? But Ian said what Barnsley have done that's different. What 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 you look at Barnsley, and if you're Steve Lansdale, you must be thinking, Jesus, I've put in 200 million quid, right? And I'm mm-hmm. still no further forward than I was in 2008 when we got to the playoff final, yeah? Because that was our last Zenith. Ignore Caribou Cup semifinals and beating Man United. You know, that's all we've done since May 2008, isn't it? So what is well, it? All, all, it's a culture of failure, Bristol City, because we've, we've, we've flirted with the playoffs in the first half of the season, but we never delivered. And you look at a team like Barnsley, who were below us. In, they, they, were, they were near the bottom of the league. I don't think they won a game uh, before that draw uh, up at... Uh, uh, um, God, I forgot yeah. the name of their ground now. Yeah, uh, in the fifth game to uh, Oakwell in the fifth game, <laughs> and they've they 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 got rid of they got uh, Stuber went off to um he went off to New York Red Bull I think and they brought in Ishmael 
and they pay very low wages. I mean, they, yeah. I think they got um, uh, Daryl DK from uh, the MLS. I think there's a sister club over there because I think their owners own a handful of clubs, a bit like the, the Watford set up. They got that director of football, but their wages are rock bottom. They'll lose players. I mean, Alex Mowat uh, is out of contract at the end of the season. Decent player. We might pick him up because Watford play to so little wages if they don't go up. But they're a good, they're a great unit. It's yeah. all about having a team that are well drilled. They grind out results. Yeah. They go to the end of the game. I mean, they beat Bournemouth away. I think the other week, yeah. uh, you know, probably one of the most improved teams in in a division. Who then went on a run. And um, they just they just guaranteed their place in the playoffs. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Their, their uh, they, form has been the best since Christmas. Did that Ishmael come in this season? Then after yes, the first, he came in. He did, yeah, yeah. Struber went. Left. He left. He, he left after the the, the, the the when we played them, or not long after. Then they brought Ishmael in from the Austrian club Lask. I mean, he, yeah. he played. He played. He's forty five years old. He's he actually played for Crystal Palace for a short time, about twenty odd years ago. Right, but uh, he's yeah. I mean, he's just he's just putting it, uh, drilled them into playing being a very uh, good unit. I mean, they got Corley Woodrow up front, of course, a player who played for us on loan. I mean, he was loaned around the league. We we he went to Burton and he played for us, didn't do anything. Dropped down to Barnsley when they got promoted, and then they bought yeah. him. Yeah, I mean, a couple of things uh, Tomo said on here. He said, Dave, Pearson is a manager. He wouldn't want to be director of football. I'm talking more about a track-suited director of football, not that suited I, type. Yeah, he he will also want he to choose be. his own assistant manager. Well, we've Tinian could still be on the bench on uh, first-team match days because he said, uh, Tomo says, Tinian loves the role he's doing, which he probably does. Um, where are we now? Um, Mr. Garland, he said, the Barnsley situation is a bit potluck, though. You appoint these unknown names from abroad, and it's probably one in five whether it works out or not. Don't mind these odds myself, though. Uh, it was interesting chatting to uh, John Ward this week, which is an interview that I'll put out. Uh, well, I might put it out within the next two midweeks, there being no uh, games. But, um, you know, he wondered who the hell Benny Lenartson was, but that's another story. Yeah, listen to that interview when I put that uh, out there. I mean, we're going to talk, the final topic we'll pick up in a second is about, is is there any investment coming in? But one record that uh, Tom, who works with me, sent me a WhatsApp uh, last night. We are going to have, and only records began in 2013, the uh, lowest number of shots on target in a season. Now, the current record is held by Burton, 409 across 46 games in 17-18 season. Ian and uh, Mark, have you you seen how many shots, how how far we are behind that record of Burton's? Have you seen that statistic? No, I wouldn't wouldn't, wouldn't want to depress myself. Have you seen it? Yeah. We have got, we have had 340, no, we have had 342 shots on target from 43 games. Make that 346 from 44. That is, right, 54, 9, 63 shots less than that shit Burt and Albion side that got a 1-1 draw at Ashton Gate. No, that was 16-17 season, wasn't it, when Tomlin blasted the penalty over the top. But uh, that that is the root cause of the problem, though, Ian, because it'd be interesting to look at the statistics that on target over the last three years, you know, home because you expect to have more shots on target at home. So with our abysmal home form, Ian, what is it about us over three years, not just this season, that we are so unentertaining to watch 
certainly in the second half of every season. You know, what, what, you know, because sure. this is, this is Johnson, Holden, and now even Pitt. What, what, what is it about us? Is there some Indian curse on the pitch or something like that? Well, both wherever we play. Right. Uh, no, there's no <laughs> Indian curse on the pitch. Uh, it's what I've said before. It's bad leadership, bad management, poor recruitment, poor coaching. Um, and that covers, that covers all the bases. You, yeah. you, can, you, you can normally look at a side. Uh, the word I use is identity. Yeah. And we haven't got one. There is no identity at Bristol City. So yeah. all the things you normally, I, I, you know, if I said to you, well, I've never seen Man City play, what they like. Oh, they're a really good attacking side. Uh, they pass the ball really quickly. And all, okay, right. So what are Burnley like? Well, they play 4 4 2. Um, and they do go long and they go into front men who can hold the ball up and then they get players around them and they're a real threat from set pieces. Now describe Bristol City. Yeah. Um, well, we can't attack. We can't defend. We're not very good at passing it. We don't shoot very well, apart from Tyreek, when he, he has the odd chance. Um, we've got a midfield player who's played probably 70, 80 games, who's never got a goal or an assist, and you think he'd have got one just by accident. And then you start then, then you start going through the team. We haven't got yeah. a left-sided centre-back. We've only got one, and he's injured. Yeah. So we haven't got him. Well, what formation do you play? Well, depends. On what? Well, who's fit and what we feel like. So there is zero identity. There are some odd spots of talent, but very odd. Um, and we must be the most boring. I mean, I've been following them for, uh, or going down there, uh, for 50 years. Same as me, yeah. Yeah, okay. And I haven't seen... I've seen worse teams. I mean, because people go, oh, no, nobody's worse than this. Well, yeah, I'll tell you what. When we went down from uh, what's now... Three to four. To what's, yeah. What's, what's, now league, uh, what's now League Two, we, we have plenty of terrible players. And when we went bust, we had plenty of terrible players. So believe me, I've seen terrible players. But but at least we played with least, a bit of identity, didn't well, we? You know, in, you look, in, at, you in, look at that in, game. In, you look at that game, the famous game with Fulham after the Ashton Gate 8. You know, we brought in six youngsters, right? And I think they got relegated. Well, not I think they got relegated that season anyway. But at least there was a little bit of fight and identity there. And, you know, that identity hasn't existed since the high press in the first half of 2017 season, has it, Ian? That's the long and the short of it. Well, if you, if, if you, can you hear me okay, Dave? Because you seem to be breaking up. Yeah, no, I got you. Yeah, um, no, I can hear you fine. The, the, um, if you look at these, took three points off us, Sheffield Wednesday took three points off us, and Rotherham took six points off us, and Derby took three points off us, um, and Coventry took three points off us, they're below us. So we are. Uh, no, it was no Wednesday, my, my Sheffield Wednesday didn't take three points off us, Ian. We took four points off of them. Oh, sorry. Four points. Yeah, they got, I forgot that Backington scored for the draw. So when you look at it and you look at identity, um, I couldn't explain what it's like, apart from saying we're unwatchable, we're boring. 
and we need massive change. And I'm, that's another reason why I think Pearson's probably the only guy who can give the job because anybody else is going to say, well, the first thing I need to do is look at the players I got. And when's he going to do that? Yeah. Because in two weeks' yeah. time... Well, he's not going to have a lot of time unless he sits well, down and watches it. I, I say half of them are off on holiday. The rest of them will be in the Amstring Probability Centre. Uh, yeah. No, absolutely. Mark, uh, yeah, Mark. Treatment, um, including the, a lot of the ones that are out of contract. Including the out of contract ones, yeah? Yeah. Well, you've got to treat them in, until so you can't just say, look, mate, I'm sorry you tore your hamstring, but you're out of contract, so clear off. You can't do that. You've, well, they're, they're in contract, a lot of them, aren't they, to, to July anyway. They're under contract till then, aren't they, normally? Yeah, but it doesn't make any difference. Um, if, if you get somebody pulls a hamstring and now yeah. you've got to treat them until their hamstrings recovered. We know that could be Yeah, you've got a duty of care. Yes. Duty of care, I think it's called, isn't it? Well, it would be a year knowing our injury record with people. I mean, Mark, uh, just final point uh, from uh, from you, and then I'll ask Ian the same question. Do we think that, you know, there is going to be some new investment coming into the club and this explains everything is 1st of May, a critical date. Might it be the 1st of June or 1st of July? You know, if new people come in with new investment, is this another reason why Pearson hasn't been confirmed because they might want their own man? It might be a foreign coach. What do you think, Mark? Very briefly, and then we'll... Uh, same question well, to Ian, it'd then we'll to be, wrap it it'd up. Well, it'd have to be some investment to, to attract, to attract a, a, well, a manager of any gravitas. But let's face it, as, 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 as a Bristol City, we're not been likely to go to be able to attract, attract a name. I think Nigel Pearson is the best that we've got. I trust him to be able to make the club competitive in the league next season. That is, keep keep the club in the championship uh, is, is, the least, is the least he can do. But unless Steve Lansdowne appoints him this week, then I'll be very worried that he, he'll go because I can't see us getting any points at Millwall or uh, Brentford. And then it's commercial suicide for Bristol City because with season tickets on the table and no manager, we waiting until people will be waiting until a new manager's appointing before committing, unless they're all stupid like, like me and you. And they'll just they'll just do do it like you know we we're like lemons and we'll just do it again. We'll put yeah. ourselves through it. I think people have uh, probably got a different view of parting with their money these days. Ian, um, that was one of the final points that you put in your uh, note to me pre doing the uh, podcast about outside investment. Is this why there is this malaise? Is that there's something going on that's bigger picture than all our local speculation and? Uh, everything like that, or is it just an organised cluster, you know what, at the moment? Well, so are we getting new investment? Well, I, in, in one way, I hope it is, because it would explain a lot, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. If it isn't, then we really have got a problem. Uh, what, what I'd like Steve to do, because he's the only guy that can do it, is to come out and say, well, when I said we needed investment, this is how I see, see it happening. I want somebody yep. to invest in the football club and the football club only. Forget the rest. Forget the infrastructure. And I want somebody to put in a large sum of money. Now, it's anybody's guess what a large sum of money is to Steve Lansdowne, but let's say it's 30 million quid. So if I'm listening to that and I'm a bit of a Mad City fan and, a, and a, at least a multi-millionaire, but you, you'd have to be a billionaire to, to put in that kind of dough. Um, say, so, right, I'm going to put in 30 million, Mr. Lansdowne. What do I get from my money? 
what am I buying? Yeah. Do, do I well give you shares in Bristol City? Right, okay, what's that worth? Well, we're going to lose 30 million this year. We lost 10 million last mm-hmm. year. And on an ongoing basis, we're probably going to lose 10 million quid a season unless we get in the Premier League, at least. Sell it, Ian. <laughs> what, what, what I'm saying is I like, I like to think I'm a really good salesman and I'm really good at talking to, to clients and customers. I couldn't sell that. I would because but you, you couldn't answer the questions. People say, well, hang on a minute. So how about that that uh, the uh, hamstring problematic uh, center and hamstring uh, probability center? How about that? Oh no, you don't get that. All right, okay. Yeah. How about this stadium? No. Well, do we get half of it? No, no. Right. So I'm giving you thirty million quid for half of a very, very unsuccessful and unprofitable team. <laughs> yeah, that's about the size of it. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. Perhaps some some other people who've got a lot more money than me, um, and who, and and were ready ready to gamble, would say, oh, okay, well, Ian, I'll, you've hit the nail I'll, on the head there. That's you've hit the nail on the head. That's the gamble because if Steve Lansdowne is just selling the football club, as we said all the way along the line, it's you're buying a brand. It's like a U.S. franchise. Will it be U.S. investors or? Who, whoever it might be, but they're not going to be people. He's not going to be giving up control. He's just, as you say, well, thirty million. No, Dave, that just Dave, pays. That just pays for two years' losses. Dave, we don't. We don't know if that's what he's trying to do. That's what I'm saying. What seems the most likely? Now he might say, um, "Okay, you buy the club. You get the grant. You buy the ground. You buy um, the Armstrong uh, Probability Center." <laughs> <laughs> you 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 buy the lot. You give me 150 million quid. I'll sell it to you debt free. But from then on, the P and L is yours. You might get a different type of person. That'd be an extremely rich person because the, the physical infrastructure is worth money. But it's only worth. Yeah. You see, it's like saying, "Well, I own a football stadium," and someone's going to say, "Great," but it's also an event center. Let's not forget that with Ashton Gate, you can have pop concerts yeah. there, and God knows what. And a vaccination center as well. I'm sweat, getting my sweat the asset. One, they call it. Yeah, but that, that's yeah. what you do. Sweat the asset. Yeah. And and if you're investing money, but you'd still be looking at it and thinking, well, you know, because let's be honest, the way things are going, and I think they're only going to get worse and not better. Um, it's virtually impossible for a club without parachute money. And look at the ones who've got promoted and got to the playoffs this season. Uh, for a, a club that hasn't got parachute money to get promoted, it's going to get a re- lot more difficult than it ever has been because basically you finish bottom of the Prem. Let's, let's say Fulham. Finish bottom of the Prem, you get 100 million quid. Then you get 42 yeah. million in parachute money. Bristol City yeah. will get their solidarity payment for last season. Which is about seven million. Yeah. Then they'll get another seven million this. So that's one hundred and forty-two million versus fourteen million. Yeah. No, it's a big difference, and that's where and and some person who's a fool with his money, be it an American or whatever, if they didn't buy the whole thing lock, stock, and barrel, where you're talking about a price of I'll say two hundred million plus to take it all infrastructure the lot. That's just a figure off the top of my head. But somebody coming in to take on the football club with with no debt, yeah, because it's just a shell company, 
Yeah, we'd no debt, no, no, no assets either. The assets being the unexpired player contracts of those that are there. And somebody could take a punt where they say, right, Mr. Lands, he might even give the football club piece away. Yeah, just to say, look, you run the football club from here on in. But well, just it's, accept I mean, it's the a fact, great opportunity. Just accept, just accept just the fact though, that you've got to move. No, look, you you've got a you've got a deficit. You've got a trading deficit of twenty million, twenty yeah, twenty million per annum, right? A deficit of twenty million. So realistically, you could blow sixty million quid on this over three years. But if you got to the Premier League in three years. 60 million quid, you're going to get three times your money back, even if you only stayed up for one season. Correct? Yes or no, Ian? You know the numbers more than well, me. But if, that, if you... So somebody could somebody could gamble. You say 30 million. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's enough. But 50, 60 million to have the shell of a football club, no infrastructure, just Bristol City, the name. Yeah. And, you know, Lansdowne could let it go because he could say, well, look, there's no debt, but it's going to cost you 30 million just to stand still. Yeah. But if you invest 30 million in players or wages or something like that, and we don't know what FFP is going to look like for the next couple of years because there's going to be a COVID readjustment, the person who would gamble that sort of money could get their money back and some. And once you get on the gravy train of getting to the Premier League, if you become a yo-yo club, you know, you're, you're going to be sustained, aren't you? And there's always going to be, you know, next year, it might be that the three going up, only one comes down or two go down. But we want to be in that, we want to be in that top 10 of the championship, which we were sort of heading that way until the last couple of years. We want to be in that top 10. We're getting to the playoffs. When you get to the playoffs, anything can happen whoever you are. And that's why Barnsley, you know, whoever owns Barnsley and the Burnley people, they've made a shitload of money for a fraction of the investment that Mr. Lansdowne's done, realistically. And that's in the last... Because well, they know, last they know the years. limitations. Yeah, they know but, the limitations. But, but, but Dave, it's all about saying, good management. Yeah, but Dave, you're saying 30 million for a shell with no assets. Mm. I don't even see how you get to that number. I mean, don't forget. No, that's a loss. I'm just saying, you, you're just, you're yeah, just the club saying, has look, got debt. You want to run the f- Dave, the club's got still got 20 million quid worth of debt, albeit it's to Steve Lansdowne. Then we're gonna... Yeah, but he might write that off because he might, he might well, have he, just he might, sick to the high teeth. He of might it. fly to the moon, but what, what we're talking about is, is a business. And I don't see, listen, if someone wants to put that kind of money in it to, you know, say, I'll buy half of Bristol City with no assets, God bless them. The other thing is, will you be allowed to spend that kind of money on under FFP? Because we know that salary cap's not coming in now because they voted against it. You know, the thing yeah. that would have saved the smaller clubs from and made them able to compete, they've all turned it down. So if they go bust, stuff them. I don't care. Um, and you've got to, you've got to see what they're going to do about financial fair play in COVID. Because if you look at the last three seasons. We made 10 million, lost 10 million. This season, we're going to lose 30 million. So we might. That's, I think that's what Steve Lansdowne was talking about. We've got a little bit of headroom. But yeah. we haven't got much. But I, I just I just love Steve to come out and say, right, okay, this is what... We need a policy statement. Yeah, we need a policy this is what statement we're doing. between... And, and why can't we need a policy John Lansdowne, yeah. why can't, who's already being paid a salary, why can't John Lansdowne become CEO? Or as well yeah. as you can have CEO and chairman, and then the director of football reports to him. Um, 
you yeah. can you can have and a chief operating officer. No, you don't need a chief operating well. officer. Just oh, just get no, just no. get a, a yeah. company secretary. The finance director could do that, do it, or an assistant of the finance. Well, the player director. it's the player registrations and all the rest. Yeah, of but it God, like that's, that. that's a Dave. That's that's, that's, that's the least of our worries. Right? I, I appreciate it's I a know. big worry if you get yeah. it wrong, uh, Leroy. Um, yeah, the thing we're poor of at the moment, Ian. The thing that we're poor of at the moment mm -hmm. is time, because yeah. if nothing's sorted, you know, as Pearson said, what a month ago now, you need to get you can't this wait sorted the end now. Of the season. Well, no, yeah, what, you're right, Mark. No, he you didn't. He didn't wait, say that. There. He said what he meant. He explained it. He said the summer, and by summer he means June, July, would be too late. We can't leave it until the summer. So no. Um, so he's got the contract to the end of the season. They've had a face-to-face -face chat. Uh, we're told it was productive, but you yeah. know I've had lots of pr productive conversations. It doesn't mean say I've won the project or got the job. No. Um, no. So we'll we'll need to see. I would think there's some haggling to be done over how long the contract is and what the money is. Um, and, yeah. and that could be, you know, because if you look at what. Premier Division manager. We spoke about Chris Wilder, and you know, he came out. You know, it's Sheffield United, who God bless them, aren't the biggest club in the world. You know, he was on seventy grand a week. Sean Dyche is on yeah. that at Burnley. So, yeah. you know, it, it, he would have been earning really good money, and and that means two things. He may not need it again necessarily or as much because you could. But sometimes people do. You could, sometimes people well, you do could do a job it with bonuses. You could say, look, I know you were on. Three million a year, but I'll tell you what, we'll pay you half a million a year, and you'll get a two and a half million bonus if we um, if we get in if you get us up. Absolutely right, Ian. Mark, it's uh, seventy-five minutes. We've been uh, chundering away, or just a little bit less than that, because we were chundering before we went live. Thanks, uh, as always, for your uh, both of you, your words of wisdom, and as we tend to do every week now, speculate. We talk the hard facts about the games. Uh, thanks to all those that have uh, tuned in is that the right word to use or listen the 116 unique listeners today so we're consistently getting that we're consistently getting around about 500 downloads of each episode which is really uh, great we still don't get invited to uh, sit in the ground and watch a game like certain other podcast people do but then probably with some of the stuff that we say on here we're not going to be everybody's uh, in official in there everybody's flavor of the month final score today oh it pains me to say it, it was Luton to City 3 Mark Good evening. Have a good one. Ian, good evening. And we'll be back uh, after the Millwall game next week. Have a good Sunday, everybody. All yeah, back for the next back for the next eulogy. I'll be uh, I'll be I'll, I'll be choosing the hymns. Ian, right. you can choose you can choose the readings from the Bible. Yeah. There we go. Okay. Ian, there you good go. Luck. Have a good one, boys. Good luck, everybody. Cheers, and thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks for Bye listening. Now. Take care. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you still the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? Our participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and time supply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hold up. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.